Hi, and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. Delighted to welcome Lee Clark back to the show. How are you, Lee? I'm good, Steve. Great to be back on it. Yeah, great to see you, mate. And um, yeah, obviously you've been on your travels. That's why we haven't been able to nail you down. And uh, certainly enjoying being away from uh, the, the the gloomy skies on Tyneside. You've been uh, off on your travels. You had a, you had a job last time we spoke to you, but um, you you know you decided that probably wasn't for you. I, I believe though you're still looking for work. Is that right? Yeah, that's right, Steve. I mean, the actual job was for me. I was enjoying it in Sudan. Um, We'd had nine games, six league games, drew uh, drew one and won five, and we were top of the table. We'd be our biggest rivals and their home ground for the first time in 12 years with a 2-0 victory against Al-Hilal. Um, so we'd gone above them in the table, we're a point clear. And uh, it was looking great, and I was enjoying the, the coaching side of it. I was in, uh, I'd had three games in the African Champions League, two draws and a loss. One of those draws against the, the team that eventually won the Champions League in Africa, uh, Al-Ali, big Egyptian powerhouse equivalent to Real Madrid in the European Champions League or a Manchester United in terms of the size and the stature of the club. We get 80,000 fans every week. So, you know, I was really loving it, get the great response from the players, the staff and the people so respectful. Not a lot to do away from the football side so basically was just living in a hotel and prepping for games and training and uh, was enjoying it but you know um, came to a decision because of um, an untenable relationship with the president in terms of things that were promised to us and, and never delivered um, from the technical side of the, the job in terms of bringing an assistant from the UK with, uh, with me um, I had an analyst from Sudan who was terrific and I had a fitness coach from Egypt originally. He was worked in America for the last eight years and is an outstanding fitness and sports science coach. So but that was just that was us. And if you compare that to Richard Formensa, who took the job at Al Hilal, our big rivals at the same time. He was a one of Mourinho's old assistants. He came with an entourage from Portugal or seven or eight staff members and um, so that wasn't delivered what was promised also training equipment that we'd asked for um, that was said could we could get it was not delivered and it was it was affecting what we want to try and do it wasn't we want to try and build something special for the club the club were going to qualify for the African Champions League again because it's the top two in Sudan and uh, we wanted to be successful in that get beyond the group stages, get to the last 16, etc. And that's what we're looking to do. And all these little bits and pieces that fall into place helped me do that. And that wasn't forthcoming. And uh, I decided to, to to resign from the position, but uh, with a heavy heart, because I've been treated so well there by the supporters and the players and the staff at, uh, of the football club, Amerique. And um, so that was tough, but we thought about it in the past. I'd, I'd stayed at clubs before when things weren't right behind the scenes and it was the, to the detriment of myself. And, um, you know, this time it, I wasn't going to allow that to happen um, because I know there's, there's only one person that it affects at the end of the day if the results don't go right and that's me. So I got out at a time when the club were top. They're now six points adrift in second place. They're not going to be able to win the league with only three games to go. I wouldn't have thought. Um and uh, but we've got Champions League qualification again in in middle in end of September to look forward to, and, and I wish them all the best. You've got a taste for for working abroad, then I think. Um, I mean, you've you've done yeah, you, you've done some great jobs over here. I mean, Huddersfield is is out, you know, was an outstanding success, and you know, if you're given the right backing, Lee, you're always going to do well. That's always what I've said. I mean, I've known you for many many years anyway, but you're a great manager, great coach, and and uh, you know. For me, I think you you do well over here. But have you got itchy feet? Are you keen to get back out to somewhere like Sudan again? What it's done, Steve, it's opened doors over in the Middle East and in Africa for me. Um, mm. And teams have sat up and took notice, especially our results against Hilal and Ali, like I've talked about. So I'm in, I'm in conversations at the moment with clubs from various parts of the world, Morocco, Egypt, Kuwait, Algeria. 
you know, and people might think, oh, these are the outposts. But when you get into these football clubs and the and and the support that they have and the the people that um, the numbers that come in the stadiums and stuff like that and the passion for the game, um, you know, is is phenomenal. So that looks to be for the future for me. Really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed, you know, in the Champions League, I went to Tanzania to compete in the game. Went to Congo. Um, we went to Egypt on a training camp, um, you know, in these countries that I'd never, ever thought about being part of or, or going to, um, broadened my horizons, and I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the challenges. And it's and also, you know, when I go back over there in the next job, you're going to have a return of the fans as well, which was obviously something with the COVID we couldn't. I mean, the team I was managing, Al Marik, we were 43,000 for league games and Champions League games when fans are allowed so that was something I mean I could only witness it we, we trained at the stadium quite regular and the fans came to watch the training and the noise it made just for training was phenomenal and then when we actually beat Hilal who are not just our rivals but our neighbours the stadiums are separated by a road when we came out of the stadium late at night after that victory uh, the streets were just surrounded by Marik supporters which was a unbelievable experience sounds fantastic i mean you know ultimately um you know varieties is you know it's a spice of life isn't it and um you know getting to get to look at new cultures and pick up different things and you know i guess when when the time's right you know you'll you'll probably come back to the english game and, and you'll be able to use all of that experience and the contacts that you've gained yeah listen I've always been someone that wanted to do things abroad but I thought Sudan would have been the choice at the time probably not but what like I said what I've said what's happened is it's 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 opened new doors it's opened new avenues for me in my career and uh, you know it was daunting at first when I first took the job and I went over but now I've done it I know I can go anywhere in the world and work um, you know in, 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 in under any kind of circumstances but it has to be right you know as I said, there wasn't really a life for us away from football in Sudan. So the, the football side of it had to be right. And, you know, for whatever reason, you know, when, when we got ourselves in a strong position, the, the president didn't want to didn't want to pursue that, didn't want to keep pushing that. And, um, you know, it, it, it came to the inevitable part of the way and I made that decision. I'm going to touch on this subject now because we did put a call out for questions with this being pre-recorded on Twitter. And uh, I'll just read them all because it, I, they're all got slightly different twists and you'll, you'll get an idea of where the fans are coming from. Tommy the Tank on, uh, on Twitter said, why did, he why did he talk his son wanting to move away a few months before his son moved away? Uh, all of these questions are very, very similar. I'm sure his son joining well, Liverpool will be a hot topic. I can answer all the questions for you, Steve. No problem, one by one. In the, Jason, what were the circumstances that led to Bobby leaving? That's another one. Why did Bobby Clark go to Liverpool and leave Newcastle, says Stephen Locke. Um, what are your thoughts on our academy and how it's run? And, and did Newcastle do anything to try and convince Bobby to say, says Andy Stever? And Chris Cooper says, can you ask Lee who at the academy decides to let our best young prospects leave? And A. Burness says, was Bobby Clark happy to go to Liverpool, like Steve Bruce says? Or was the offer from Newcastle so bad that he had no option? Noel the Joker says, did you have any say in Bobby leaving? Did you try to convince him to stay? I don't blame him for leaving, to be honest. So just gives you a flavour from all of those people. Like fans, quite rightly, in uproar that your son, Bobby Clark, one of the most precocious young talents who has had great guidance, it has to be said, from you uh, in his career. Um, very level-headed, on the ground. Obviously, I've, I've met him uh, a couple of times as well. Um, he's, he's gone to a club that is progressive, that, that cares, and, and that can nurture that talent that is, 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 a, is a homegrown Geordie talent in the right way. I personally think he'll go on to do really well. But come on, Lee, give us, give us the inside story. What, what exactly happened? Well, first of all, the first question, Steve, was about, um, you know, I came out and denied that, um, you know, he was going to go anywhere. I, I, and then a couple of months later, he has. I didn't come out and deny he was going to go anywhere. The story was written that um, he'd been offered to Tottenham Hotspur and Tottenham Hotspur had refused him. He hadn't been offered to any club. There was, he had, there'd been no offers by anybody to, 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 for my son to go to any football club. 
Um, he wasn't in a position to, if anyone wanted Bobby, they had to go through the right procedure and approach Newcastle, um, agree a transfer fee. If that couldn't be agreed, it would go to a tribunal. If the player, this player, my son at the time, decided he wanted to go. And that's the process. Tottenham, there was four clubs in Bobby. Three uh, big clubs in the Premier League and a, a very ambitious championship club. And I've always been a person, and I only advise Bobby. I don't tell him what to do. And I, I'd always been a person that no matter where the club was or what league it was in, if someone had, you know, had the decency to show an interest in myself, I would always show the decency back to speak to them, no matter what the position of that club was, you know, whether I had any intentions of signing for them, just to hear what they had to say. And, you know, they've made an effort. And uh, one club um, made a, agreed a transfer fee. Uh, one club was told to uh, pay a certain fee that was relevant to them valuing Bobby as important as they did. Uh, one of the other bigger clubs waited too long and Bobby had already decided that he was going where he's ended up, to Liverpool. And the other championship club tried to uh, structure a deal that they, you know, they could afford. And um, But you know there was only one club that agreed any figures uh, with Newcastle. The fee was agreed very quickly. I've got to say, I was quite surprised how quickly the deal was agreed in terms of the figures. Uh, I think, you know, but the process has took a very long time because what you then have to do, there has to be the Premier League have to do an investigation and that investigation requires Newcastle to be interviewed, Liverpool to be interviewed and me and, and Bobby's mum to be interviewed, which we had to do then that committee or those people, uh, that legal team, then put their findings to the Premier League and the Premier League have to give it the OK. And uh, that was confirmed, I think, Wednesday or Thursday last week. Bobby had his first training session with Liverpool in the group on Friday and he, um, he got his first taste of match day game on the Saturday. Because obviously he'd only trained one day, come on for the last 20 minutes v Watford and, and scored the fifth goal in a 5 0 win against Watford. So, um, did that have anything to do with it? I had I advised him. I didn't advise him in what he wanted to do. I advised him in terms of Bakhti's decision. He decided where he was going, he decided the club. I could just give him what my thoughts were, but he's a a very intelligent young man. He has his own ideas. There was no way I was going to get involved in telling them which club to go to or did whether he was wanting to stay or leave. Um, I could only give him advice, but I was never going to push. And uh, he came to the conclusion that Liverpool was the right club for his future. And um, I've got to say, since he's been there, you know, the, the, the people at the football club, I can see why they're an elite and I can see why they're... Uh, one of the big powerhouses in European football and one of the most uh, and most well-known and biggest clubs in world football, how they go about their business, how they do things, how they treat the players, the setup, the facilities. The facilities are phenomenal. I was there at the weekend to watch the Chelsea uh, Liverpool-Chelsea game at Anfield. And then also, you know, I've had a, through a few Zoom calls, had a look around the, the training facilities and spoke to Bobby about it. And it's it's it, it's an opportunity for him. It's a, he's he's going to be working uh, with an elite group of players, um, with the best of the best of the the facilities in the world, and the, you know, and, and it's up to him now. It's it's going to be it's a hard ask because you, you you know to get in any first team in the Premier League is tough. When you're going to one of the elite clubs, it becomes tougher. Um, but you know, it's it's a football club that gives young players a chance. I was, as I said, I was there Saturday night and I seen a an up and coming superstar uh, performing. Harvey Elliott I actually seen one of his first ever games and possibly his debut when he came on for Fulham against Newcastle Craven Cottage a couple of years ago. He made the move to Liverpool. 
and I watched him on the pitch there with surrounded by superstars and world-class players from both sides and he looked easy looked at he's 18 years of age and there's Jurgen Klopp manager has an array of talent um you know and he's he's give this young man his, his opportunity which he has with other players Curtis Jones Nico Williams Trent Alexander-Arnold um you know to name but a few the, the you know um the couple of center halves he didn't go out and and, and uh, you know, frantically try and buy and, and panic buy a centre back when Virgil Van Dijk was out injured and Gomez. He gave opportunities to the young players, and um, I think that's what Bobby's seen. He's seen as a pathway, and um, the talk from Liverpool when Bobby went there was he wasn't being signed to improve the under 18s and help them win be successful in the Youth Cup. He wasn't being signed to try and improve the under 23s. He was being signed because they seen him as a future Liverpool footballer. If he went about his business and uh, his improvement and, uh, you know, what he learns while he's there with the standard of the coaching, um, there's a chance. So that, that that was the thing that, you know, so I was even, I wasn't even in the country when, when, when he started talking, you know, to them. So I just, if he asked me questions about the clubs or whatever and about the history, I'd, I'd give him the advice and then uh, he, he made the decision. But, you know, you we've seen the quotes since the, the transfer uh, has happened and, um, you know, it seemed that everyone was happy with, with the outcome. And I mean everyone. Yeah, um, it's sad when you see you know young talent leaving the club, and um, you know I'm sure that I speak for everybody who uh, you know presents on this show and watches the show that we wish him well, and uh, you know we just hope we don't have to pay too much to get him back in the future, Lee. That's it. <laughs> um, okay, other questions that have come in from people, uh, I will get to in the second half hour of the show. I just want to ask you about um, you know the start of the season Newcastle have had, obviously. Um, you know, it's early days, um, you know, lack of transfers uh, hasn't helped people going out. Um, I think we all agree the players who've gone, you know, won't really be missed. Uh, I think a lot of head scratching going on as to why Dwight Gale's been offered a new contract when we're not playing him anymore. Um, but yeah, strange pre-season. Um, you can't really say it's been overshadowed by a failed takeover because I think, you know, I think most people have written that off. Um how do you how do you see those opening games? What's your view? Um, it's been an extremely tough start, um, and in, in in many different aspects, no wins, knocked out of the cup early, um, to a club that really, in a manager who doesn't hide the fact that whether he's competing in the Premier League or in the Championship, Sean Dyche at Burnley. Uh, prioritizes the league and, and he's he's not uh you know worried about coming out and saying that so you know i know it was a premier league uh, team who played in the cup but it, it, it wasn't their priority they would have made changes and by all intents and purposes i've never seen any of the game i've seen the penalties but apparently it was the performance probably deserved them to go through is what i've heard or what the sound bites i got back uh, listening to what the manager had to say but ultimately, you're out at the first hurdle. Um, the league start hasn't been ideal. That was compounded in the last game there on Saturday when you score, you know, to go two one up in the 92nd, 93rd minute. You expect to go and win the game, but it just seems to be uh, at this moment in time very, very difficult to keep a clean sheet. I think that's, you know, we do seem to be conceding quite a few um, penalties already in this season as well, which can become a worry for the manager and his staff because it means we're having to defend. What I did, what I was quite impressed about, certainly in the first game, and, uh, and I've been saying this for a while, the strength of Newcastle United is in the attacking areas. And it, it it's we've got to attack teams. And whether we've got to win by 2-1, 3-2, 4-3, 5-4, to get these high score lines, um, to try and win, that's going to have to be the way forward because I don't think we're very, very great or very good potentially is a defensive team. So when we go in this defensive formation and we sit back and we let the opposition have the ball, we still seem to concede. If you remember me and you speaking last year, 
Um, Carl Dahl, who was man of match on 95% of the games because he was having to make save after save after save, even though we were playing in quite a defensive uh, formation. So now with St Maximum, Wilson is your front two. Willick giving them the support in behind. I still think there's an issue with Almiron because we're trying to fit him in. You know, he's, he is another number 10, basically. He's He'll work hard, and if you ask him to play in one of those midfield roles, he's he's going to do it for the good of the team, but you're not going to get the best out of him playing there um, in the system that we're playing with a 3-5-2 at the moment. And also what you've got is our wing-backs are actually wingers. So if you remember, um, I think it was the penalty that was against West Ham when Freddie Woodman saved it and they put the rebound in. Yeah. If you re- remember, the re- it was Matt Ritchie on the edge of the box. And his reaction was a delayed reaction. It was it was an attack-minded player's reaction from a save and a penalty. And that's what I'm saying. So our wing-backs are predominantly wingers in their career. So they've got that attack and mindset. If that had been, say, a ball dummit or, you know, a, 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 a full-back playing as a wing-back, a bit more of a defensive mindset, he might have been following in straight away and, and, and recovered and helped Freddie from that penalty save. So that's where we've got the problems because uh, we're not particularly good as a defensive unit and um, the, the strength of the team is attacking, but we're going to have to be scoring a high p- number of goals for us to win games, it looks like. And um, there seems to be a little bit of um, confusion in terms of if we can't bring any more players in before the window shuts, where do we need them, I think? <laughs> There's that many positions where it looks like we need them, but there's not the funds unless somebody goes out the door and we raise more money. Um, there's not really much going on. So it's going to be, a, for me, it looks like it's going to be a repeat of many of most of the seasons we've had in the Premier League under Mike Ashley. Unfortunately for the fans, they're going to have to sit through the... Um, the ups and downs and the turmoil of another relegation battle, unfortunately. Probably not what they want to hear, but that's going to have to be the reality. Yeah, I mean, look, we we signed Willock. I mean, that was a major shock, I guess, to everybody because ultimately, uh, I mean, Steve Bruce admitted on his his interview where when we signed him that they were trying to get him on loan. Um, they were forced, the hand was forced, they've signed him and you know spent the best part of £25 million with all the add-ons, etc. So, I, I, I guess... Mike Ashley will point to the, the the purchase of Joe Willock and say, "Well, I have spent something." Listen, great signing. I think the signing what everyone wanted and didn't think was going to happen. Um, so you know, magnificent that that they got back through the door. But Joe Willock on his own isn't going to be the difference. You know what he achieved last season is a phenomenal return for a striker. You know, the only other person to do it. Alan Shearer, so that tells you the company's in. For a midfield player to repeat that again would be, you know, you're talking about, you know, a Frank Lampard from just a couple of years ago, a Terry McDermott from years gone by. These are these players that are at the top of the tree for doing that. So, you know, and, and, and for Joe Willick to do that in a team that are the wrong end of the table, you know, is even more of a phenomenal achievement. For him to repeat that again, as I said, it would be absolutely mind-boggling if he was to do that again. So, you know, the expectation has to be realistic with him. I think he's a young player. He's going to have ups and downs. I'm delighted that we've got him. But I just think the team needs needs more. It needs more help. It needs... It, it, you know, what me big worry about Losing Wilson or St. Maxim for any period of time. Wilson's already, he's getting tripped with, you know, you know, wrapping him in cotton wool. He's had to come off in a couple of games. Thigh problem. You know, thigh problems are really one of the worst injuries you can have because you can't really play with that unless it's 100%. If you take any risks with a player with that type of injury, he breaks down for Die into and you're thinking it affects everything you're trying to do explosive pace, changes of pace, normal running, striking of the ball. Um, and it's a soft tissue injury, which I'm sure the medical team in Newcastle are frustrated with. I've had a few soft tissue injuries, um, probably too many over the last couple of years, and uh, 
especially when you you when you you know your your squad isn't that strong as well. You've got to try and keep everyone fit and especially Wilson because he's 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 gonna he's gonna be so important. You mentioned at the start of the program about you know they give Dwight Gale a new contract, but the, the, the poor lad doesn't get used at all, doesn't get any minutes. Joe Linton gets used above him from the bench. Um, it, it's a it's a very strange one that it's because I'm sure that they could have got some good money for Dwight Gale um, from four or five championship clubs because he's that striker that can get a, you know get over twenty goals in the championship to help the team get promoted. So when they resign him, but they don't use him as often as they should, or even give him a chance to try and you know rectify a result that's going in the other way, team's favour, it just seems a bit weird to me. Yeah, it, it does to me as well. And uh, yeah, a fairly depressing transfer window for Newcastle fans. But got the signing they wanted, got Willock. Uh, just got to hope it's going to be enough. And it's another flip of the coin uh, by Mike Ashley. Uh, big shout out to the sponsors. Big thank you to Spider VPN. Uh, been with us for the last few months for all your internet uh, security and protection. Protect those passwords and photographs. Google Spider VPN. They come up at the top of your search list. And uh, big thank you as well to Skips and Bins. Uh, com, who are with us for another month. Uh, telephone 0800 2545 2523. Emails inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website com. Easy contract, free and pay as you go. Waste collection. And as we uh, often joke on this programme, two funeral directors joined us in uh, August. Uh, LMG family funeral directors, obviously anticipating a great season ahead. 01913897245. And Darren Baldwin Funerals, independent funeral directors. Telephone 0191 Email Darren at DarrenBaldwinFunerals.co.uk. www.DarrenBaldwinFunerals.co.uk is the website. Big shout out to John at QTechShop.co.uk, uh, who runs our website. Uh, John will be in the chat as always tonight. And uh, good luck on your recovery from COVID, mate. And uh, Jab Signature as well, the maker of all of our flyers. First time visitor to the channel, hit the Newcastle Legends logo in the bottom right hand corner. And that's it. You can subscribe for free. Uh, we are still on seven days a week. Hit the thumb up to like the video. Uh, that helps us out. Hit the share button to share to your social media and uh, drop into the comments to speak to like-minded Newcastle United fans. Final shout out for this event as well. Uh, your last chance to buy tickets on Newcastle Legends uh, website. And uh, we also have uh, a couple which we've just announced. An evening with Gavin Peacock. He will be in Newcastle for the Chelsea game. Uh, so uh, we're going to do a, a talk in with him at the Irish Centre. Uh, NewcastleLegends.com for your tickets for that. And our food bank, uh, NUFC Matters Christmas due uh, from 2020. Uh, is being confirmed November the 19th, 7 o'clock, tickets £12, all proceeds going to the food bank. Supermark is going to come along and uh, do a, a Q&A on the night and uh, all kinds of people will be there from the NUFC Matters team. And uh, last but by no means least, give at protest NUFC a follow on Twitter. They, of course, are having their meeting uh, Thursday night, 7 o'clock at the Irish Centre. Um, they are pulling together, uh, you know, basically a few ideas from supporters. Uh, I'm hoping to get there myself. Uh, they just want transparency for fans and uh, good luck to those guys. Give them a follow on Twitter. OK, we're going to come to your questions on Twitter now. Dan Harrison was in early. Uh, he just says, can you ask Lee why nobody at all in the media questions the dreadful, shambolic running of the club? It would be interesting to get his views on that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a, a reasonable question. I think uh, the fans are being kept in the dark on a lot of things. Um, the, the running of the club from the top. I mean, there's 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 nothing really. There's nothing comes from anybody at the top, whether that be Mike Ashley or Lee Charnley. Um, they never speak about uh, what 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 the plans for the club are um, going forward. Is there a plan? Etc. Um, Etc. Et I think the only person who ever faces the media is is the manager, and um, you know it's hard enough being a manager. It's hard enough being manager of Newcastle United with you having to then be the mouthpiece for the for the whole club and talk about uh, other aspects, i.e., you know, budgets, transfers, uh, you know, what what you're looking for in terms of any planning for the future windows. Um, I think it's it would be a, it, it seems to be a very difficult club where 
because I know that club's even though we're coming to the end of the window here tonight when we're you know recording this. Um, I bet you they're already planning for the January window and also next summer. I'm I'm not sure if that can happen with Newcastle because of the way that the they go about their business and um, yeah, the most important people at the football club, the supporters, don't seem to get a lot of information about what the, what the future holds. Yeah, I mean, that's the worst thing. Communication is one of the easiest things you can do as a football club and there's a, a complete lack of it. Um, and, and that's been a problem for a long time. It's not just a, a modern thing. It's, it's, you know, it's something that the club have been accused of. But uh, thanks for the question, Dan. Joe Walker uh, says, Clarky, you get the job at Newcastle tomorrow. What would be the very first thing you would change? And I'm not sure whether he wants you as the owner or as the manager, uh, but... What would what would you change if you came in uh, to Newcastle United, Lee? Well, I've I've dreamt loads of times that I've won the Euro Millions, and it's the biggest uh, purse <laughs> I could win. So I could I, I wouldn't feel that I, I know it doesn't get the three hundred million, so I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be the sole owner, but I could put a few quid of that into the club, and I could have a, a big say in what what was going on. And the first thing I would be doing would be bringing the important people back at the football club so the head of everything would be uh kevin geegan you, you know he would be the pied piper because that's what he is he brings the fans back anything he touches everyone wants to be a part of you know whether he if he wanted to become the chairman or a, a director of football or just just the head of the operations that would be first you know um i'd be looking to you know, um, get Alan Shearer's back. Les Ferdinand is already working as a director of football. And one that I've thought of, you know, for me, um, to being a mentor and being someone uh, who could change the face of the, the youth policy in the academy, um, I would bring in David Ginola to, to, to oversee that. Now, whether David would want to be a coach on the grass and take a team or whether he would want to just oversee everything and bring the people in and then what i would do in every age group i would have at least one of the coaches who've been part of the football club and have been um you know a first team player of the football club and have experienced the challenges both of the expectation of the fans understand what it means to wear the shirt understand what the badge means, understands what the supporters give up uh, and what, what the club means to them. Um, and, and, and and that would be my, my remit. And then, you know, with, with it, the, the core of the... You know, when you talk about the Spain of the team, you talk about the Spain of the staff then, having a, an affinity with the club, having the love of the club, having the heart and the, the importance of the club. Um, you know... Uh, but listen, when I talk about the staffing as well, the coach, it doesn't mean that you just go and say, oh, you're an ex-player, you can come in as a coach. They've got to want to be a coach. They've got to want to develop players. They've got to want to love uh, coaching, love being on the grass. They've got to work hard to get that, that coaching badges and stuff like that. That has to be in them. You know, you just don't go, oh, you get welcomed in because uh, they're an ex-Newcastle United person or whatever. You know that has to be it has to be hand in hand and and you know I know there's people from outside the club who can be successful but I just believe that this is one of those special northern clubs that you need to have been a part of it to realise what it's about and understand what it's about and um, you know just restructure it. If I was the manager, as I said, uh, I would have to base the team around the attacking players that I had. Have to do loads of work in the defensive side to try and make sure that. You know that we can uh, try and keep clean sheets, but obviously the team, that the, the, the squad that's there at the moment, the strength is in the attacking areas, and try and get a formation that fits everybody in, um, and 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 get the best players on the pitch uh, in those attacking positions, and um, that's what I try and do, and and in every game just go out to try and win, uh, because I, as I said, I don't believe even when we have the defensive mindset and defensive formation it stands in good stead I, you know we don't often keep clean sheets so you know let's get out there and try and take our opponent on and, 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 and win as many games as we can yeah and then 100%. if i was 
if, if I was the owner or the manager, I'd be first thing I'd do, I'd be asking, hey, who's going to take responsibility for the Joe Linton signing? Because <laughs> 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 there's someone inside that club who's ducking and diving for fun at the moment, by the way. 100%. Hey, you got an assist. You got an assist on Saturday. All right, great. Ah, you don't get much of 40 mil, eh? No, <laughs> you assist. don't, mate. Not, not, in the, not, in these, not in this day and age. Um, I, I thought you might have said you would have brought Tino in as social manager. Hey, there's a position for Tino if he wants it. If I'm, a, if I'm one, lucky enough to win that Euro Millions, if Tino <laughs> wants to come back, he's more than welcome. No danger. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, okay, Frankie, uh, he says, if we could sign, uh, and, and I know this is going out after the transfer window, but I, I, it's still it would still be apparent for the next one. If we could sign a realistic striker to possibly be back up for Callum Wilson, who would you bring in? Because Gale just isn't good enough. All right. Um, to be back up, well, that's where your problem lies. If you're, if you're trying to sign someone to be back up, they don't know and if he's a top striker, he ain't good he coming to be a backup. So, you know, you're probably you're gonna be looking for an up and coming one from the lower leagues. Um it's just I don't know, I mean I look at what Villa have done with Danny Ings, I mean, that that was a terrific signing. Um, you know, you get another one like him, you play you play him, you play the two of them together, you play and you play St. Maxim in a free roll, number 10, just letting them roam around the pitch and go cause havoc on the left, on the right, in behind the strikers, feeding those two, or do you play in a flat 4-4-2, which obviously then you, you leave yourself open in the middle of the pitch, but you've got St. Maxim and Mount Wade, you've got Wilson Nings. I mean, he would have been perfect, uh, you know, for, for me. He's, um, th th those type of players... Um, you know, it's it's a tough one, but I, it, you, I, I don't think you get the type of striker you want if you're just going to put it to him that he's going to be the 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 backup for for um, Callum Wilson. That's for sure. Yeah, Stuart Taylor says, uh, "What do you feel about the balance of our squad, and how would you change it?" Well, that's what I'm saying. That's where we've got the problem. Certainly in the formation that Steve's working with. Um, in the three-five-two at the moment, um, he's got um, obviously the problem with, in terms of Almiron. You're not playing in, in his most productive position. You're not getting a hundred percent the best. He's doing all right because he's got a, he's got the heart of a lion. He, he he'll never stop running. You know, you ask him to play a centre half, he'd try he's utmost. He he try and compete by head as he'd be working so hard. He just looks like a boy who loves his football and every time he, he goes out on the pitch he gives absolutely everything but I just don't think you get the best out of him and it's not probably suiting the team um, to have him there with him being more of an attack-minded player especially when you've got the attack-minded wing-backs um, and you know that dilemma you've got is Steve's getting the best uh, St Maxim and Wilson proved a very fruitful partnership and they're combining well together both in scoring themselves and in assists, etc. So you don't want to split that partnership up, but you know, you go to a little bit more of a different system. He obviously isn't very happy with what's going on in central midfield because he gets linked with every central midfield player that's become available. Um, he's obviously brought Willick in to, to break those lines from midfield and get get goals from midfield to help with the burden with with, with Wilson. Um, so I think it's trying to get the, the the balance right. I think we are we are a bit unbalanced in terms of, um, you know, having that system. I think we feel best that Richie and 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 J Murphy are giving them the best opportunities as wing backs, um, rather than uh, you know Mankio or, or or whoever. I know he would have liked a, another left back to have come in. There was talk of that, um, but. You know, it's it, it's a difficult one. I think he's got to find a system that allows the, the front players to keep flourishing because, you know, that's the only way we're going to get the points when, as I said, when we're not the greatest defensively and even when we're playing a defensive formation, we do seem to concede our goalkeepers are the outstanding players. So it's a real tough one. 
Craig Irvin says uh, Bruce has given uh, been given one player this transfer window. We saw Benitez walk away due to lack of investment and ambition from the club. Could you ever see Steve Bruce walking away from Newcastle for the same reasons? I'd like to think if Steve isn't happy with what hand he's been dealt, yeah, I think uh, any manager, as I said, you know, when we're talking about my own personal situation, I had to do that. I mean, there's a couple of times where I've stayed and, and to the detriment of myself when owners haven't given us the help that's required to, to make the team successful. And that was a tough learning curve for me, tough experience. Um, and, you know, one that I would never allow to happen again. And I think Steve's obviously a lot more experienced than me. And if he isn't happy with the hand he's been dealt after the window closes, um, you know, he should make the same decision as, as, as what Rafa did. Uh, Alan Matthias uh, says, if we got the takeover and had new owners that wanted to base the club staff on ex-players, who would you appoint as director of football? Would that be Keegan, who you mentioned earlier, or would you have him more as an ambassador? I would have Kevin more on a boardroom level in terms of directing operations, in terms of uh, financial stuff, in terms of sponsorship. You know, he's as I said, he's the pie pipe. I could attract all the top companies into the to the football club he could help with the operations of um you know of the football side he could be a um you know a, a voice and a mentor and a shoulder to lean on for the for the, whoever was the manager um you know because he's been there seen it done it he's obviously a very um you know intellectual and in, in, in high profile businessman as well well, he's one of the first footballers to become very successful off the pitch as well. Um, direct our football, I think, you know, you'd look no further than someone being linked with the club and having a great affinity with the club who's doing a terrific job already at QPR and Les Ferdinand. So he has the experience of that role. You're not just putting him in it because if, if he's, uh, you know, how uh, high profile he is and how popular he is. He's, he's, he's doing a terrific role at QPR. He's changed things around there. So, yeah, they, they'd be the people I'd be looking at. They'd be, you know, in the main positions, um, chairman, director of football, manager, head coach, and director of academy. You'd want high profile people who could do the job, be terrific examples, people who could make big decisions and uh, you know, try and improve those areas of the club, and that would be yeah, the spine of your club, and then all the rest of it you can be filling in with various other people. Yeah, okay. And uh, next question comes from bear with us, I'm just uh, scrolling down the uh, the questions. Derek Peverly he says, Who gave you the nickname Jigsaw? I've never had a nickname Jigsaw. That was just something that Barry Venison and Paul Gracewell mentioned in one interview. But I never, I've never been acknowledged or called Jigsaw. I never, I never uh, respond to that name. So, uh, did you have a nickname, Lee? It's not something. Just Nash. Nash is very well known. And where was that? And where was that from? And who gave you that? That was that was from Terry McDermott. Just not long after he came, and we were on a way trip. And I just says, Terry, can you? make sure the bus doesn't go off, forgot something, I need to Nash home. And he's like, what does Nash mean? I mean, I need to get home quick, quickly. A lot of people thought it was Nash the dog uh, from, <laughs> from the, the Vino. Vino. <laughs> aye, aye. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that, 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 was, that was it. You touched on Terry Mack there. Uh, terrible news in, in the last, uh, you know, last week or so. Uh, you know, and we're hearing a lot of this about ex-players, aren't we, with their dementia? Yeah, of course. I mean, listen, it's okay, it's right. it's a real tough. It's a tough one for me, um, because Perry uh, Terry's a, a personal friend of mine. A per, his family and our my family are very very close. You know, I have a strong affinity. But he's in great spirits since the announcement was made a couple of weeks ago. I've been out with him a couple of nights for a few beers. Um, down at the Liverpool Chelsea game with him, he's still doing his ambassadorial stuff for for Liverpool. And he, he's still in great spirits. He just wanted to know and let the public know who adore him, you know, both in the northeast and in, in the northwest and all around the country. I think that's been the great thing, the, the response to it. Uh, Terry's news has been phenomenal. And, you know, he's he's been gobsmacked by the response. I'm not surprised. I used to always say it, 
was too humble, even when he was my assistant at Huddersfield and Birmingham, you know, we never let those young players, they didn't realise who they were dealing with, they didn't realise how special football I was and what he'd achieved in his career, because he's not someone who shouted from the rooftops and, uh, but he's, you know, he's in great personal spirits, it's obviously a, a tough one, because there's lots of players and ex-players from Terry sort of era who've, who've come out and have this illness, um, but as I said, he's you know he's he's still loving the laugh and the joke, and he's he's still getting out there, and um, you know so, but uh, real positive and, and and being absolutely buzzing by the the kind words that have messages that he's had. Yeah, wish him well uh, as always. Gallagher Gaz says, would you sell ASM for sixty million and reinvest all of the money into a state of the art training centre like Liverpool's? Into a state of the art what? Sorry. Training centre like Liverpool's. Um, no, I would never sacrifice my best player just to, to facilitate a training facility. We've got a owner who can afford that. It's it's not a lot of money in the context of things. You don't you don't uh, sacrifice your best your best player, the player who the fans are loving to see and loving to watch, and the one who they probably get excited before kick off. Uh, you don't sacrifice that, and, and to be honest with you, in the in the market we're in today, sixty million in enough for them. But I, I, I certainly wouldn't be selling them just to to build train facilities. I don't think we need to spend sixty million. I, I think it, it can come for a lot cheaper than that. Both the academy and the first team centre being redeveloped and brought up to the twenty first century wouldn't need sixty million. But I wouldn't certainly be sacrificing. Uh, our, our our best player to, to do that. Okay, Andrew Graham says, uh, does Lee ever think we'll get back to being a top six club, even with a new owner? Of course I do, because I was part, you know, you've got to realise I was around before uh, the Magpie Group and Sir John bought all those shares. So I was around when all those local businessmen, George Forbes, Gordon McKee, Stan Seymour, were involved, just local businessmen who didn't have the funds to take the club to the next level. Um, you know, even the demands of the supporters. Um, so we, I was part of that. And, and, and who would have thought within a 18 month, the transformation when Sir John Hall took over, stopping the club getting relegated to then would have been League One from the Championship um, and then winning the Championship and then challenging the, the Premier League big boys and getting into Europe so of course I, I've been part of it I've, I've, I've been in and around it and it can happen um, you know and it, it, it's 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 possible it won't happen overnight I mean because the, the, the funds and the money that's involved nowadays in terms of the top clubs and the size of the squads I mean I'm looking at um at that game I was it on Saturday at Liverpool Chelsea and Firmino has to come off and Diego Jota replaces him. Thiago has won every available trophy in Europe and in, in world football. He's coming on to to replace players and these are the replacements. They talk about judging your, your team. That's how you judge your team, what you've got on the bench, how you got game changers on the bench. And uh, should, so that and obviously the, the plans we've already mentioned about the infrastructure of the club would take a while to get up to the air, but it can happen and it can happen so quickly if you get on that that run and that momentum um, things can happen so so quickly in football uh, Bellringer wants to know what you um, or who you blame for the current uh, shocking possession stats in every Premier League game that we play especially home games um, I mean again 36% against Southampton at home is that got something to do with the way we're set up do you think Well, I think we've been low on possession when we've played a, a four-two-three-one. We've been low on possession when we've played a three-five-two. Uh, when we've played a three-four-three, I think whenever formation we've played over the last eighteen months to two years, we've been really low on on possession stats. Um, and you know, so maybe is that is that why the manager keeps looking for new midfield players? I don't know because obviously that's the the, the, the of the team that keeps possession of the football and, and that's the, t the area of the team that you know can can 
how many games for you in terms of uh, being on the front foot, especially at home. You know, where you want to be at St James is you want to be playing front foot football, so you're picking up second balls and you're, you keep supplying your attacking players with the ball on a regular basis and uh, allowing them to, to have the freedom and cre create chances. So it'll always be a problem. That's why I'm saying, you know, it's, it's a difficult shout because I'm saying my best players are in the attacking part of the field. We want to get in the ball at them as quickly as we can, but with quality uh, to create as, as many opportunities as we can because, you know, it's going to be difficult. Certainly on the evidence I've seen so far this season for us to keep clean sheets. Certainly going to be hard to keep a clean sheet in my next game. Uh, Manchester United away. And we've got to touch on transfers because we don't see many at Newcastle these days. But Cristiano Ronaldo going back to Man United, was that a surprise? It was again because of all intents and purposes, he looked like he was going to Man City. And um, it looked like the deal was completed. But bang, Man United couldn't allow that. And what a player. Still, still a phenomenal player. People talk he's 36. He's, his recovery, what he does, he's, he's worked behind the scenes. He's, you know, he's obviously got a ridiculous personal wealth, but what he uses that wealth for as well is his well-being, his own personal chef, his own personal masseurs, his, his own recovery, cryo chambers, uh, his gymnasium, you know, the saunas, the swimming pools, what he works, work he goes through after games to get the recovery right so he's prepped for the next. You've seen the shape he's in. Top scorer on Serie A last season. Top scorer on the Euros. Uh, reinvented himself as an out-and-out -out striker. Still got a ridiculous leap. Still got a great change of pace, even though he's not as, as electric as he was in his heyday. But one of the best player, football players has ever been. And, and will come back and be fantastic again for Manchester United. What a player to walk in that dressing room. What an example. Won everything that you, know, you can win um, in the game both personally and, 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 and as a team player. And uh, what an example of, of, of how to do things, how to behave on and off the pitch, what it takes to, to be a winner, what it takes to be the best. And uh, unfortunately for Newcastle, which always seems to be the case, that they could be on the receiving end when he when he makes his debut. That's because that's going to be electric Old Trafford and he's going to be ready to put his stamp on, on things straight away. And uh, with those young players he's going to have around him, Greenwood and Rashford, those type of players. It, uh, you know, Sancho, forget about him. Wow, they're going to be learning from the master and, um, you know, it, it could be a tough afternoon for Newcastle. Yeah, I've got my ticket, um, although the temptation might be, to, <laughs> might be to sell it. I can imagine they'll go for a few grand. <laughs> Man United fans <laughs> want to get into that game. I might, you know, I, I might, I might reconsider. No, I, I want to go. Obviously, I want to go down and see it. It'll be a, it'll be a great footballing occasion. A uh, couple of other things before we finish. I mean, goalkeeping situation um, has, you know, obviously long COVID for Carl Darlow. Um, a long-term injury for for Dubravka um, has kept him out at the start of the season. Uh, has meant that we've, you know, by by default, Freddie Woodman has has, has become our first-choice goalkeeper. Um, it also makes it rather difficult for Steve Bruce. He's, he's going to have to name four keepers in his in his twenty-five man squad. Um, but how how you know how have you felt Woodman's played in the opening games? Um, I, I, obviously, no friend very well. Given me an opportunity is in Kilmarnock on loan when I was the manager there. Always held him in high regard. I think he's an exceptional young keeper. He's been thrown in at the deep end, as I said. The defensive side of the team isn't the strongest part, so the keepers always seem to be uh, kept busy. Um, he's made some very good saves. He's a keeper that I think a lot of fans will see. He's not one who wants to come for crosses. He, he wants his defenders to deal with that. And I think once defenders know that, whether the keeper comes for crosses or whether he doesn't, if a defender knows what the keeper's going to do, they can act accordingly to that. So I think defenders will know that that isn't Freddie's mainstay of his game. You know, he's shot stopping, he's made some terrific ones. He's made a, you know, got the face penalties in most games. And as I said, he's, he's he, he, you know, I wouldn't point the finger at uh, any of the goals uh, at him. Um, it's unfortunate. It's another problem for Steve. 
because he can't get round it. He's got to, it looks like he's going to have to name the four goalkeepers in his squad, which probably means he's restricted in his outfield numbers, um, which is another problem for him. But obviously, the Bravka's having complications with his injury, with the infection. And as, uh, as you said, you know, Darlow, unfortunately, and we hope he's well. And because, you know, Touchwood, I've never obviously had the COVID you know, problems, but seems to have struck him really badly. So, you know, he could be out for a, a, a little bit way longer as well. And um, so, unfortunately, Steve has to name all, all four with Gillespie and Woodman in his squad, which means it, 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 it outs a couple of uh, outfield players. Yeah, uh, definitely does. Okay, coming up to the last uh, couple of minutes, we've got another question in from uh, Tom Dixon. He just wants to know, um, is it hard being a football manager, Lee? Very. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and, uh, uh, and times, it's, it's not a nice place to be. It's lonely when you're not getting results. Since, it, since the concept of social media as well, it's... It's brutal. It can get very personal, very hurtful against you and your family. Um, no manager goes out not to get results. They want to be, they want to be the best manager they can be. They want to win every single game. Um, and as I've said, it's it, it's very very tough. And um, you know, when we talked about it at the start, the show about me going abroad, I, I think it's helped me. You know, in terms of that as well, it's just gives a new perspective on the on the coaching side of it and trying to improve players because you do you know you might get a bit more time and it, you know the club you're working that they see that you're improving the players and you might have a chance where you could sell them sell some of those players back into Europe and make the club some profits that you know that's another string to your bow there. But in England the demand's huge um not just in the Premier League but, you know outside of the Premier League. And, and unfortunately, the, the managers don't get a lot of time and um, it, it can be really, really tough and lonely place. But we all know what the job's about. We keep going back to it. It's like, the, it's like a drug. Um, you miss that adrenaline rush. You miss being part of a, of a group. And uh, they say it's the next best thing to, to, to play. And it, it, it is. It's nothing like playing. Playing, you are just looking after yourself. When you're the manager, you've got... 25, 30 players, and, and you, you know, high, you can only keep 11 happy at any one time. And uh, it's trying to keep those other lads in tune and ready. So they keep putting the pressure on the lads who are lucky enough to be in the team, and you get all different types of problems come with that as well. Okay, put you on the spot, Lee. Uh, Newcastle United season has kicked off. Uh, where do you see them finishing? Unfortunately, I see another um, common theme. I see another uh, season of, of, of fighting relegation. I see another season of looking over our shoulders. I see another season of worrying about other teams' results coming to the end of the season, which has proved to be the norm under Mike Ashley, with the exception of one or two seasons. And um, yeah, I think be prepared, be ready for, for that. We. Um, and uh, just, you know, the, the one good thing I've loved in the last few weeks is having the supporters back. It must be an unbelievable feeling for some of the, the new the players at uh, St James's who've never experienced that, having that phenomenal support. But the fans are going to be so crucial all the time, that they're the most important people at the club. But this season, once again, it's going to be up to them to, to be that... Uh, that 12th man to try and help the club stay in the division I'm, I'm feeling because I, I I think uh, the early part of the season tells me that it's going to be another tough one for us yeah I would agree um, a couple of people asking you know if you could name your favourite 1 to 11 but we actually do a thing on NUFC matters we do a show called Dream Team I might set that up with you Lee if you're up for it maybe pick your all time favourite Newcastle team not necessarily people you played with but people who you loved watching as well as a supporter so um, I'll, I'll give you a shout and maybe we can record that for some uh, for some week you know what I mean definitely be up for that that would be very all right. Great stuff, mate. Well, uh, pass on your best to Bobby. Look to the family, and uh, good luck with your uh, good luck with your job hunting, mate. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Take care. Thanks for your time, Lee. Thanks, Steve. Cheers. Bye.
takes the time.